on today's episode of Trouble with a Snap, we will be recapping everything week five, as well as having a brief discussion about a few SEC teams before jumping into our new edition of the draft. Roll the intro. Nick Saban, and in 2003, the Tigers countered the BCS. Michigan State's Jalen Watts takes in and he scores on the last play of the game. Unbelievable! Alright everybody, welcome back to the latest episode of Trouble with the Snap. I am Will, as always, joined by... I'm, I'm not even sure how to describe this man. Um, I'm joined by Colton. Colton, how are we doing today, boss? Pretty good. That's the best intro that I could have ever asked for. Thank you very much. Quite honestly, I mean, there's there's so many good ways to describe you. I mean, I was honestly, I'm just less speechless sometimes, you know? Yeah, I get that a lot. <laughs> I bet you do. Um, well, how you been? How was your weekend? How was, uh, how was the Texas-Kansas game in Austin? It was good, man. It was fun. A little bit more stressful than it should have been for a while. But thankfully, the shade came over me in the second half, which was very nice. So, yeah, it was fun. Nothing... Nothing too crazy. Yeah, looking forward to getting to Dallas. How was your trip to Dallas? It was a lot of fun. Um, you know, I will talk more about the AM football team in a moment, of course. But, uh, you know, they look pretty dang good out there. And so as long as they keep winning or at least look like a decent football team, I'll, I'll always be happy. But uh, other than that, Dallas itself was awesome. I had a great time with my family. Um, just chilled, went to the game at Jerry World and, you know, just drove home later that evening and just had a great weekend. Yeah, I mean, anytime you're in Jerry World, beautiful stadium. I'm not the biggest fan of it if you don't have really good seats, but it's a pretty sweet stadium. I mean, I, I told you this earlier, but like the perfect, I feel like in my opinion, the perfect way to describe Jerry World is like going to a football game in an art gallery. Like it, it's just, it's so beautiful, but it doesn't at the same time, doesn't feel like it fits football, but I don't know. It's 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 definitely a world class venue to say the least. It's almost so nice that you don't want to mess it up. Yeah, exactly. That that may be the the uh, the entire intention behind it looking so nice. Question: Have you ever been asked to sit down at a game or been lectured about that? Because me and the people in my section were lectured about that. Okay, so if I have it, it happened a long time ago. I want to say that I have, but I can't necessarily pinpoint as to when it was. However, I will say though, um, on the student section side here at A&M, the absolute bare minimum expectation for you, for you to be on that side is that you are standing for the entirety of the game. Uh, no questions asked, no, no if, ands or buts, even when the band is playing at halftime, I think you're still standing. Um, so I mean, they we take that very serious here, but um, aside from that, I can't really think of a time where I've had that. No, well, that's the thing, because i never seen the student section, because I just sit with my dad. He has his tickets, and we're in the upper bowl, per se, but we're pretty low in the upper bowl. We try and get everyone fired up, because obviously, if the whole stadium is loud, it has a home field advantage. But yeah, we get asked to sit down all the time, 
and not just us, but some people around us. And then before the game, some guy came up to us, probably in his 50s or 60s, and he was just telling us that we're being bad fans or something. Okay, so... So we told him, I was like, hey, man, respectfully, like, you should maybe watch the game from home then. Maybe more. We're at a football game. We're at a football game, not a church service. Yeah, like that's what we said. And then, so I've been coming here for six, whatever, since the seventies. I was like, all right, like, you should probably know how it works then. And and he said something yeah. that he was like, oh, like I bet if you were down by the players, they would tell you guys to not be as loud. Like, you know, actually, the players tell you to get up every single play. But so then, I guess we were good because because at the end of the game, he kind of saluted to us. Anytime, man. So, mm-hmm. I don't think I did anything different, but I feel like that doesn't happen at places like LSU or Alabama. But yeah, so I can't speak for those venues, of course, but I can also say I do for uh, you know pretty much every home game here. I also sit with my dad uh, because he has season tickets, and um, so when I go sit with him, um, you know, it's not the student section like as I was just saying a moment ago. So that's where obviously you're your main alumni fans or former students go sit, whatnot. And, you know, the point of them paying paying a certain amount of money for those season tickets, they're not paying that price to stand up the entire game and, you know, get hammered and then get ejected halfway through the game by the cop for, you know, PI, whatnot. That happens all the time at a by the way. Um, it's actually kind of funny because I don't know if I'm sitting the tweets, but the yeah, Texas no, A&M Police Department. So funny. Yeah, the Texas A&M Police Department literally, like, they don't live stream, but they will live tweet, like, every single time they eject someone from a football game for whatever reason. Um, but anyways, as I was saying, so sitting over on um, the section where I sit with my dad, um, you know, it's, it's a lot of older people, like how you were saying that gentleman behind you. Um, so we definitely stand up in big moments. Like if it's a big third down or fourth down or just a huge play in the game, like everyone will all be standing up cheering, yelling. Um, but for the most part, we are sit, uh, sitting down in our seats and just kind of just enjoying the game. Um, but we definitely do stand on occasion, like how I just mentioned. Yeah, no, well, that's fair. I mean, obviously on, on third and fourth downs, always standing but it's also more so a matter of just making noise and i don't know i mean i get it i guess but it's kind of i don't know i take it pretty seriously because i think if you're loud that like, it makes a difference that's the reason why there's a home field advantage so yeah for sure i don't know my psa i think if you go to a football game and you complain about people being loud then you should not attend the football game the other thing too, though, at AM is, you know, we have, we have the yell leaders and we have like all these different yells that we do during games. Um, and so of course, whenever you hear us do those yells on TV, it's always mainly, ju- it's mainly the student section. And when you have, you know, 40 to like 50,000 students alone crammed into the football stadium, um, it's definitely not going to be quiet, especially when they're doing those yells. Um, but as for where I sit with my dad, so on and so forth, um, you know, if, if we do like one or two, like our, our, our marquee yells, like beat the hell out of whoever we're playing that week. And so whenever we get to that one, you'll probably have a few former students sitting behind me or around me. who still participate in that. But other than that, like the other ones that we do they're they are just dead silent. One thing is like, we don't really have chance like that, but we'll just be going, Oh, just kind of trying to make noise. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I mean, some guys were like, 
yeah, it's just whatever, 10 of y'all doing it, no one's going to be able to hear it. I'm like, if the whole stadium does it, it makes a difference. Like, I don't know. There's a reason we played Bama last year in home. They had like five false starts. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. I don't know. Um, That's just me getting on my soapbox, but. You're good. No, and I totally I mean, agree with that. The guy told me that, and I went to the concession stand and bought like three beers. I was like, it's going to be loud tonight. Like, Yeah. No, that's the thing, though, is like what you were saying, though, uh, last year when he played Bama, they had like five false starts. Like, that's the thing is that if everyone in the stadium is actually cheering and yelling and making as much noise as possible, like it truly does create that like X factor of an environment, you know, where it can truly make or break certain teams and certain drives and so on and so forth. No, yeah, I mean, I don't I don't think I'm ever going to be the quiet fan, but well, you shouldn't be. Shouldn't be. All right. Well, I think that. uh that's enough talk. You want to jump into some of these games in this past weekend? Yeah, let's do it. I'll lead us All off right, with Utah beating Oregon State. Or, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. Oregon State beating Utah 21-7. Wow. Wow. Yeah, really? I, I mean, I really fumbled there. I definitely had trouble to snap there. But, yeah, Oregon State. <laughs> Self-plug. <laughs> yeah, Oregon State dominates Utah 21-7 in Corvallis. I mean – Utah really, really needs Cam Rising back. They, there's just nothing's working for them. Whether it's Bryson Barnes, Nate Johnson on offense, they just can't get it working. Jaquinton Jackson, the star running back, was also out. But yeah, look, I mean, this this Utah defense is really good, and honestly, it's kind of impressive that they're what four and one without Rising. But yeah, I mean, I hope he, the Rising can come back. He's a really fun player, and just gotta wonder what the team could look like if he comes back. But yeah, that game was ugly for Utah, but credit to Oregon State. Jonathan Smith is a really good coach, and DJ didn't play great, but he was able to get some work done on the ground. And, yeah, Oregon State gets a big win. All right. Um, so I do have a few thoughts to say about this. I completely agree with you as well. Um, I've been saying this ever since the season pretty much started. Utah literally needs Cam Rising, like how we need air to breathe. And I feel like this is the most prime example um, so far in this season. It's their first loss. They only put up seven points. As you just mentioned, that Utah defense is very good. Um, but, you know, that defense can't win every single game for you. Um, at the end of the day, though, as for Utah, they still have a very scrappy team. It's their first loss of the season. It, at the end of the day, it shouldn't be that big of a deal. They just um, are able to manage and take care of business going forward, especially if you get someone back like Cam Rising, then – that should be 10 times easier than what it is now. But other than that, Oregon State looked good. Um, but, yeah, Utah, um, that absence of Cam Rising is really starting to show. Yeah, they can't do a single thing on offense without him. But Mm-mm. let's hop into another Pac-12 game. USC defeats Colorado in Boulder 48-41. to Really good game, again, from Caleb Williams, six touchdowns. He also will get this – I mean, he can extend the play, and I think on one of his touchdowns, he had over seven seconds to throw the ball. So, yeah, and USC was down, Zachariah Branch, but really no issue for them on offense. They were winning this game by a, by a lot for pretty much the whole game. This game wasn't ever really in doubt. Boulder got an onside kick at the end to try and make it close, but they couldn't recover it. But, yeah, I mean, credit to Colorado for fighting back here. We kind of thought they would get blown out, and I'm impressed that they were able to make this one close at the end. But, I mean, I – I just can't buy USC as a true contender at this point. That defense is just gross. I need hand sanitizer after watching it. I mean, it's <laughs> it's so bad. And it's just kind of the same Lincoln Riley thing as has always been. I don't 
really understand why he is so attached to Alex Grinch. And I don't know. I mean, I can't help but think they're going to waste Caleb Williams and not make the playoffs with them because I just don't see. I mean, they can't stop anyone. No. And it's – um, my gosh. Like, that is the tr- one true defining factor. I feel like that separates – USC compared to every other contender, as we all know, um, the offense, absolutely world-class. It's elite. Caleb Williams is that guy. But as you mentioned, that defense, it's, oh my goodness. I, I, I don't even have the right words to describe them. Um, you know, so I will also say this game, it was my lock of the week and I am a little bit bitter because I believe the line was 21 and a half and I chose uh, USC to cover. And for the vast majority of the game, that line felt pretty safe um, until their defense decided, you know, to just go home early. Um, ultimately, though, you know, USC did get the win 48-41. Uh, it was a packed Folsom Field in Boulder. And, um, you know, it's impressive to always get a big road win like that, especially in the conference. Um but I completely agree with what you just said a moment ago. There's absolutely no way in my mind as of right now that I can consider USC a true legit contender for the CFP just because of how bad that defense is. Um, that's the thing is that I feel like if USC just had an average defense, they would for sure be, I, I wouldn't want to say a lock, but they would be um, certainly in the conversation um, a lot more than they probably are now for the CFP. Um, ultimately though, that's just the knock on Lincoln Riley, man. He emphasizes offense over defense so much. And it is so evident when you watch his teams of recent memory. Um, I mean, if you remember like when he was still at Oklahoma and like the whole Baker Mayfield teams and the Kyler Murray teams and all those guys, you know, they had, it. it's the exact same thing. He's just now in South, he's just now in Southern California. Um, you know, you had an elite quarterback and a really shoddy defense and it can only get you so far. And clearly that's just his bread and butter for whatever reason. And, you know, I don't expect anything to change at all until Lincoln Riley decides to actually start, you know, being serious about playing defense. Yeah. I was talking about this earlier with my dad. I wonder, I think Lincoln Riley would probably have at least two national championships by now if he had a somewhat average defense because his first team with Baker would have definitely won it. Yeah, that uh, the Rose Bowl game with Georgia that went yeah. to overtime. I think they would have them in the title game if they played them. Yeah, that's the thing is that if they, as you were saying, if they just had an average defense, you know, they don't even go to overtime with Georgia most likely, and they take carry that momentum into the national title game. And as you said, I I definitely think they would get the job done that year as well. Um, why 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 is Lincoln Riley like this though? Like, why is he so opposed to playing defense? I don't know. I mean, it. he's not dumb. You can't be that dumb. He's such a good coach offensively. I mean, he's an, he's an offensive genius. Yeah, and that's putting it lightly, it feels like. But, I mean, there, there are two sides of the football, and he's got one covered, and the other one he just turned a blind eye to. Yeah, I don't get it. But yeah, let's jump into my lock of the week, Kentucky over Florida. This one covered – I like Devin Leary a lot. He has not really had the season I was expecting, but it didn't really matter because Ray Davis went for almost 300 yards. So that was great for Kentucky. Florida, I don't know how they beat Tennessee or what kind of indictment that is on Tennessee, but Florida's just not good this year. We've said it since week one. They can't move the ball, really do anything. They just look discombobulated. And yeah, Kentucky's 5-0 and having an undefeated matchup with Georgia coming up. 
Clemson beat Syracuse 31 to 14. Actually a big conversation for Clemson because they really needed to get in the win column there. Good game for Kate Klubnick. And yeah, this, this Clemson defense pretty much shut down Garrett Trader and his crazy play action fake. So yeah, big win there for the Tigers. Yeah, it's um it's definitely nice to see Clemson get back on track. Um that's their first conference win of the season, isn't it? Yep. Yeah. So I mean you think about yeah, it, it's certainly weird to think about, especially seeing them unranked now. Like, we haven't seen that in forever. Um, but anyways, no, they, you know, Kate Klubnick and company certainly was able to handle handle business in Syracuse. Um, as I was just saying, though, it certainly is weird to see this. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, you know, the times are changing, and it is what it is. You know, old dynasties fall and new ones rise. So, um It'll be interesting to see what happens next. Um, all right, jumping back to the SEC, uh, I'm going to dive into the Georgia-Auburn game real quick. What an absolutely electric game on the Plains, by the way. Um, yeah, we yeah, had this game late. We weren't going to talk about this game in our preview, mm-hmm. and then I decided to throw it in, and wow, what a great game. My gosh. So, to my knowledge, from what I remember, Auburn had the lead in this game for more than half of it. Um, this, you know, Especially at home. And Jordan Hare, um, you know, boys are feeling good. Hugh Freeze is calling up the right plays, so on and so forth. They look pretty good. I was actually pretty surprised to see, you know, especially how notorious Georgia is for having a great defense over the past few years. It was actually impressive, for, at least for me, to see just how bad that Auburn offense was. And just, you know, they were still able to put up 20 points on a really good defense, um, which I didn't really have on my bingo card going into this game. But anyways, Georgia um, ultimately pulls it out in the end. Brock Bowers is an absolute freak of nature. Um, I believe he had, uh, like halfway through the fourth quarter, he already had over 148 receiving yards um, in that second half alone. So pretty much the third quarter and like half of the fourth, he already had over 148 yards. Um, All in all, though, it was an incredible game. And, you know, Georgia, I will say right now, they still – and the latest AP poll are still number one in the country. And if they keep playing like this, that will not last long at all. Yeah, I couldn't believe that game was that close, especially how anemic Auburn's offense was against AM. AM has a good defense, but I mean, their quarterback place is really bad. But they were able to force a couple fumbles. And yeah, he frees called up some pretty good plays there. And yeah, I mean, Auburn found themselves in the fourth quarter uh, with a chance to win. But yeah, ultimately, Brock Bowers is just unreal. I feel like if I would, I mean, it'll it'll not go to a tight end again, what feels like forever. But if I had to choose, um, like a non-quarterback to win the Heisman, I would easily have Brock Bowers like towards the top of my list. He does it all. He he's just a freak, dude. I, lo- I love watching that dude play football. Like they run handoffs for a tight end. It's insane. Mm-hmm. He's a ridiculous athlete. Yeah. Yeah, I'll jump into the game I was at. Texas beats Kansas 40-14. to Big news here before the game, the Jayhawks star quarterback, Jalen Daniels, was not able to go. He had some back tightness that he had been dealing with early in the season as well. So in comes Jason Bean, who is actually a pretty good quarterback. He started some games for them last year and this year. I don't really know why he stuck around. I feel like he could play at a decent amount of schools, but... Yeah, he comes in, and KU had two big play touchdowns. They had a post route over the top. Texas really needs to clean that up. They've been burnt deep in three of the five games so far. But their first touchdown that Kansas had was one of the crazier plays I've ever seen. I'm sure you saw it. 
that fumble? Yeah. So Kansas runs a triple option and their quarterback runs for about 25, 30 yards. And then Texas safety Jalen Catalan rocks their quarterback who fumbles the ball, hits the turf, bounces right up to the KU running back who walks in for the last 20 yards for the touchdown. So that was a pretty wild play, but outside like of that, they drew it up. Sorry? Yeah, I was just saying, it was just like they drew it up. Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, that's in the play design. But, mm-hmm. yeah, besides that, KU really couldn't move the ball. UT didn't have any sacks, only three tablets for loss, but there's really nothing going there for Kansas. This game was close for a while, and the only reason it really was close was because Texas could not finish off their drives, whether it was missed field goals, a Quinn Ewers interception, bad play calling and execution, a snap flying over Ewers' head because – UT had close to 700 yards of total offense and never really struggled to move the ball. But through three quarters, they kind of just struggled to punch it in the end zone. And yeah, late in the third and the fourth, Texas kind of took over there. Jonathan Brooks ran for over 200 yards and AD Mitchell had 141 through the air. Quinn Ewers had another 30-yard touchdown run for the second week in a row. And Xavier really had another pretty good game. So yeah, um, it was... A game where Texas probably should have won by a lot more, but they just weren't really executing. But overall, I think KU's a pretty good team, so I'm going to take a win there going into Red River. But they really have to clean up the kicking game in particular and executing in the red zone. But yeah, 40-14 to win. I like KU, though. I hope they can make some noise because I think they're a fun team and get Daniels back. So yeah, 40-14 to there. Ole Miss beats LSU. Wait, Colton, Colton, Colton. Before we jump into the next game, um, I have a quick question for you in regards to Texas. Uh, please correct me if I'm wrong. Um, so, aside from the Alabama game, in my opinion, I feel like the um, the the mo for Texas so far this season is y'all start out fairly slow, kind of sloppy, whatnot, and then once the fourth quarter really hits, that's when y'all really turn it on. Um, ult- I mean, one is that true, and if and if so, why why do you think that is? That's a great question. It's definitely true. It's been a trend. I think part of it is UT has been rotating our players a lot, I think, to get more guys in the game. And also kind of we have better depth this year, so I think it allows them in the fourth quarter to kind of pull away from teams. But, yeah, I definitely agree with you. I mean, I think this Kansas game should have been a blowout. I mean, it ended up being a blowout, but it shouldn't have been close at all. And the Baylor game, Texas dominated, but – yeah, I think it's really just kind of an inability to convert in the red zone. Even in the Bama game, you could argue that UT should have been up by a lot more. They had two drops that could have been touchdowns in that game too. So I think it's more of an execution thing. So I mean, the other game that was notable as well as the Wyoming game, I and mean, that was like what a one-score game going to the fourth maybe or something like that? Yeah, I mean, that was a really sloppy game. And really what happened there was Wyoming had a 10-minute drive in the third quarter. Yeah, that, that is true. But yeah, I mean, it's – that's the thing with Texas is, and I think there's kind of two ways to look at it. I think that you could look at Texas and you could say, you know, they're not really playing as great as a top three team should be for, for kind of most of the game. I wonder if they're overrated. And I think kind of an optimist perspective is saying there's like, there's kind of a lot of meat left on the bone here for Texas and they're still able to blow out teams. So we'll see. I do think that, I don't think that Texas has played their best game yet, which is encouraging, but yeah, while it never really felt like the Kansas game was in doubt, I think there are games later on in the year where if Texas messes around, they could lose the game. Like, I just – I think they have to be – I don't know. In college football, I think it's really hard to just go through here and blow everybody out. It's a bunch of 18, 22-year-olds. But, yeah, I mean, it's 
it's a bit concerning because I think if you mess around too much, then you'll get beat. Yeah. I mean, look, Georgia had the same thing happen to them. So, yeah. But yeah, a bit frustrating. But overall, I guess uh, I'm not going to complain about a win. But I mean, I'm definitely with you. That is a concern of mine. But yeah, Ole Miss takes on LSU in Oxford, 55 to 49. Will called this one. Lane Kiffin really needed this win. And I feel so good about calling this one before yeah. him, by the way. It feels so good to actually get that one right. Kiffin looks stressed on the sidelines. You knew he Did you see his hair ball. sticking out of his um of his visor? Yeah, out of his visor. He the dude looked like he just had like seven days in hell, dude. Yeah, I mean he really it feels like Kiffin kind of needed a signature win like that. And yeah, I think we talked about it before the Bama game, how we'd never really seen Jackson Dart have a breakout game. And, man, Dart was fantastic. That hurl he had was just pure adrenaline. And, yeah, for a while, it looked like almost was going to lose this game. They are down nine in the fourth quarter, and they found a way to come back. And, I mean, for LSU, Jaden Daniels is playing really well. Their receivers are very good, aside from the fact that Daniels got rocked and fumbled. But, you know, so you had a chance to win at the end there. The ball actually hit the receiver's hands. But, I mean, for LSU, this defense is just really bad. We talked about it after the Arkansas game. But this is the worst LSU secondary I can remember. It's probably worse than that 2020 team that had a very bad defense. And, yeah, I mean, Quinton Judkins ran all over LSU. Ulysses Bentley did as well. Trey Harris had a big game. So, great for Ole Miss to get the win. But for LSU, I mean, this defense is like USC level bad. Yeah, and that's the thing, too, is that, you know, that, that defense is led by Harold Perkins, and you got Major Burns out playing DB, so on and so forth. As I mentioned in last week's episode, that is the probably the worst possible name anyone could have for playing cornerback. But um, anyways, great win for Ole Miss, as we were just talked about. Um, you know, Jackson Dart truly felt like he he did everything on the field, no problem on Saturday. Um, absolutely crazy game, electric atmosphere. Uh, one of my good buddies from high school who now goes to Ole Miss, kind of, I texted him yesterday, uh, so on and so forth. That's how the game was, and he said it was one of the most electric and intense games he has ever been to. So I can only imagine what it was like to be a fan slash student at that game. But anyways, um, you know, Jaden Daniels did play a great game as well once again. So if you're an LSU fan, it's really encouraging to see that, uh, your quarterback kind of slowly build that uh, offensive momentum whatnot throughout the week. Um or throughout the weeks, excuse me. Um, but as for Ole Miss, you know, this is certainly the most signature win to date for Lane Kiffin since he took over um, in Oxford. And it'll be really interesting to see um, because obviously these two teams are both in the SEC West, so it'll be really interesting to see the type of implications that this game can potentially have once we get down to the stretch of the season and ultimately see who will be playing in Atlanta. Um, but all in all, great win for Ole Miss. Um, however, I will say there were over 1,300 total yards of offense by both teams. So clearly we both these teams uh, must be really big Lincoln Riley admirers because the offense was absolutely popping, but the defense was nowhere to be found. So, yeah, both teams definitely need to go back to the drawing board in regards to defense. But other than that, great win, Ole Miss. And um, it'll be a lot of fun when um, when the Ags travel to Oxford in a couple weeks. The Ole Miss fan doing the flip off the goalpost was one of the best moments of the week. That was funny as hell. Yes. There, was, there was no rotation on that flip. There was no way he was going to land that. No. And if he did, he probably would have broken something. I feel like he probably still did break something. Yeah, probably still. Like definitely a tailbone or something. Yeah. yeah, as opposed to his leg or ankle. 
But yeah, college football never change. Seriously. And Ole Miss never change. But Les Hobbins and Notre Dame beating Duke 21 to 14. I mean, Mike Elko put on a fantastic performance coaching for about 59 minutes in this game. I mean, Notre Dame had to go 95 yards for the win down 14 to 13. Sam Hartman converts a huge fourth and 16 on the ground. And then they run it in with SDMA for the game-winning touchdown. And unfortunately, Riley Leonard for Duke gets hurt trying to lead them down there at the end. But looks like it's a that's a week-to-week thing. But yeah, for Notre Dame, I mean, clutch to pull this game out. That would have been pretty bad to lose that game and fall to four and two. Duke's a good team, but you don't want to lose two in a row. And yeah, I mean, just having an experienced guy like Sam Hartman is so key. But I almost feel like Notre Dame just doesn't have the skill guys this year to really get the best out of Sam Hartman. So I don't know. It kind of seems like a wasted opportunity for me just kind of looking at this Notre Dame team with how good of a quarterback Hartman is. But, hey, you know, you survive in advance, so good for the Irish and Marcus Freeman. No, I completely agree with that as well. Because um, if you remember the game last week when they played uh, Ohio State at home, it was like, what, a 3 nothing game at half? And then, of course, you score a few more points, um, get in the end zone a few more times before it's all said and done. Um, but anyways, you go from a bit of a low-scoring game against Ohio State, who's a – you know, a really good defense, so on and so forth, to another low-scoring game against another really good defense in Duke. So the thing is that when you have a quarterback as good as Sam Hartman, you pretty much expect to blow out every single opponent that you play, and um, regardless of how good the defense is. But I completely agree with you, what you just said a moment ago. It just does not feel like they have um, those true elite skill position guys like what they've had in years past. Um, so it is a bit of a bummer to see. I don't want to necessarily it's wait, say it's wasted um, or they're wasting Sam Hartman a little bit because he is still playing exceptional football and currently still leading um, Notre Dame to quite a few wins up to this point. Um, but all in all, I truly do feel like if Notre Dame you know, had just an exceptional wide receiver or wide receivers, whatnot, or certain running backs, just pretty much the skill guys, this team could just be that much better. Um but anyways, going back to this past weekend's game, you know, shout out to Duke. Shout, um, shout out to Mike Elko. I still miss you in College Station. Um, I feel like I'm uh, required to say that every time I talk about Duke. Um, but anyways, uh, it was a great game, and it it really does suck. Um, I, I apologize. I can't think of Duke's quarterback's name right now. Riley, uh, Leonard. Riley Leonard. Yes, thank you. It's It truly is a bummer for him to go down on the last play of the game with a lower body um, a lower leg, lower body injury. Um, cause the dude was an absolute warrior all night, played a great game, played his heart out. So for him to go out like that, it was just, it's just a huge bummer. Uh, but anyways, great win for the Irish, great win for Marcus Freeman, but another close game. And fortunately enough, they were able to pull it out this time unlike last week. But, um, it'll be interesting to see how Notre Dame responds going forward to see if they'll actually finally be able to start blowing more and more teams out. Or if they'll just constantly be in back and forth slugfest like this. All right, let's um let's hop into the game I was at this past weekend. That would be AM and Arkansas. Um, so I believe I said the last time or when I was previewing this game in our last episode, um, you know, I mentioned that AM that their key to, key to victory in this one would be to contain KJ Jefferson. And my goodness, the Aggie defense did that and then some. It is the second consecutive game where the Aggie defense has recorded at least seven sacks. I believe in this one they actually had one more than the Auburn game with eight. Um, the whole unit as, as a whole had, I believe, 15 tackles for loss. 
and um, they were just absolutely flying to the football. Um, that defensive front with all those five-star D linemen, you know, Walter Nolan, Shamar Turner, Shamar Stewart, uh, LT Overton, Gabriel Brownlow, Dindy, all those guys, etc. Um, they are finally starting to really click, and it is really fun to watch. Because um, that was the thing with them last year is that they were so young and experienced. Um, I feel like sometimes they still thought they were playing in a high school game against college-level opponents, and they would just get absolutely blown up. And so it is really nice to see them finally start to piece some things together on the defensive side of the ball and really wreak some havoc in the backfield. Um, as for the Aggie offense, this was the first start of the year for Max Johnson and and um, and replacing Connor Wigman, excuse me. And so, in my opinion, I think uh, Max Johnson played a really great game. Uh, you know, he started the game, I believe it was like eight for eight, something like that. And that pretty much, he just kind of built his momentum from there on that hot start. You know, if they come out first drive of the game, he finds Evan Stewart on a little fade ball in the end zone for seven or for six points pretty much immediately. Um, I will say, though, he did have a few mistakes, and the Ags ultimately did have three turnovers. Uh, one of them was a pick six on a screen pass to start the third quarter, which was com a completely ill-advised throw. Um, and on top of that, he was responsible for another turnover. He decided um, to tuck it and run on a single play and ultimately got blown up and fumbled the football. So I will say this for Max. While he does not run as well as someone like Connor Wigman, he still is a great runner. But he's got to become – he's known for lowering that shoulder and really fighting for extra yards. But that dude – in order for us to have a really good season here and a really special season, which I feel like we can have, he's got to go from the tough lower the shoulder guy to a lot more of a slider, if that makes sense. He's got to get down. He's just he just got to protect the football. He's got to protect himself, um, ultimately for um, for him to stay healthy and for him to stay in the game. Uh, but all in all, it was a great win by the Ags. I was pretty I, okay. I was thoroughly impressed by that defense for them to come back back to back weeks. Um, and put on an absolute clinic. Um, I will say, though, the, the main concern for the defense is the secondary, more specifically the, uh, the DBs uh, and man coverage, because Arkansas, you know, they only took two deep shots down the field, and um, they went 50% on those. They missed on the first one, and in the, um, oh, I'd say the latter half of the fourth quarter, they decided to take another shot deep when it was pretty much garbage time already, but still, uh, those points count, those numbers counts, and, um, you know, our DB, Josh DeBerry, got absolutely cooked on a deep ball by KJ Jefferson, so, you know, with Alabama coming to town this week, they um, they got quite a few things they should clean up in the secondary, but other than that, um, it was a really complete win for the Ags, and I am really, really excited for who's coming to town this weekend, and I cannot wait till Saturday. Yeah, that AMD line is nasty. And I think we talked about before the game, I couldn't decide if I thought KJ Jefferson was good or not. I don't think he's good. But, hey, I mean, actually, I feel like he's got worse every year. He probably has. But, yeah, that defense was nasty. I think I saw they've had 15 tackles for loss last two games. Um, I think we, we had 15 tackles for loss in this Arkansas game alone. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Insane. Well, um, yeah, that's I, not. I don't. I don't have my specific stats pulled up for the moment, but if you'd like for me to go find those, I'm more than happy to. Well, I mean, kind of this. So that's a, that's probably around 25 the last two games. If you had eight sacks against Auburn, yeah, um, that's wild. But mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, yeah, this defense is really clicking, which is 
good because I mean after the Miami game that looked that I mean that defense looked so bad. So credit to them. But yeah, this Bam game is gonna be interesting. I think that that in ND line is gonna give Alabama some problems. And the secondary, yeah, we'll see if they let Milrow air it out. But yeah, I mean we'll get into that one on Thursday. But Wednesday, but yeah, we were talking about defensive woes, LSU Ole Miss. I mean, I think we look at the SEC West. Thing with AM and Bama that this week could ultimately decide the West is that both these teams actually have effective defenses, which yeah, let's see Ole Miss do not. Mm-mm. Um, and that's the thing, too, is what I just mentioned. Um, both Bama and AM are tied for first in the West right now. So, whoever comes out of this, uh, out of this upcoming game, uh, on Saturday, victorious will be outright in first place in the West for the foreseeable future to take care of business. Um, but I don't want to get into that too much in this episode. Um, we'll talk about that one in the next one, but either way, I, my gosh, I'm just so excited for this Saturday. It's going to be fun. You and me both have some pretty big games going on, but mm-hmm. yeah, I think that'll just about wrap up our week five recap. We had some very good games. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, you ready to kick this draft off? Let's do it. All right, so tonight's theme for draft, uh, shout out to Colton's roommate. Um, I don't remember which one he said it was, but um, it was one of their suggestions. Tonight we will be drafting our favorite cuisines, um, favorite like styles of food, whatnot. Not anything too specific, just more kind of broad um, cultural-wise. And so with that being said, with the first pick, Colton, I am taking Tex-Mex off the board. That's a good pick. Not what I was thinking, but that's a good pick. What's your rationale? Um, well, one, we're, we're born and raised Texans. We've been eating it our entire lives. And especially now that we're both 21, I, I, um, my eyes have been completely reopened to the greatness of the frozen margarita with Mexican food. I mean, I've always heard about it, but I never knew just how good it was until I could finally have one legally. And my goodness, it just does not get better than Tex-Mex, just straight up. Will has never had a margarita until three weeks ago exactly i I never have nope that's a great choice i eat a lot of tex-mex but for my first pick i'm gonna go with just american food i just think we're a football podcast what do you you know like what are you eating when you're watching football it's probably gonna be american food that could include cheeseburger wings yeah exactly burgers chicken wing i mean there's just so many great things fries fried pickles pretty much anything like anything fried anything fried yeah yeah, I'm gonna go with that. I'll see a lot of fried food at the Cotton Bowl this weekend. And yeah, my second round pick, I'm gonna go with a personal favorite of mine, just some Italian food. Okay, that's a Gotta good pick. I love a little bit of rigatoni. There's you know, whatever. I mean, linguini, there's just too many pastas to even name. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Italian I think always gets the job done. It's probably my preferred cuisine. Okay. All right, for my next pick, um, so this is this cuisine is specific to about three countries. So I'll just list them real quick. I'm taking um, German, Czech, and Polish food. Uh, shout out to your, I know you're kind of looking at me like, what the hell is that? Um, so German, Czech, and Polish food. They are known for like buttered potatoes, sauerkraut, Wiener schnitzel, certain things like that. Per, uh, pierogies. Um, actually, believe it or not, Colton, I don't know if you knew this, but whenever you and I go out to Kenny and Ziggy's. Um, back home in Houston, I always start out my meal with like a cup of chicken noodle soup. That is actually a Polish thing because, uh, or Czech and Polish thing, because my dad told me when he was growing up, his, um, 
his grandmother and grandparents, so on and so forth, they used to always uh, prepare chicken noodle soup before their actual, uh, actual like entree, if that makes sense. Oh, wow. I, I yeah. didn't know that. I mean, because, yeah, I mean, I know that you always get that, and I think you should go with the matzo ball soup, but I, <laughs> I, I did not know the cultural significance behind it. But anyways, we can also credit the Czech and Polish for the creation of the kolachi, the kopasniki, um, certain things like that. So, and also that's, that's where my ancestors are from. So shout out to the homeland. So I am taking, I guess I'll just call it Bavarian food to simplify it. So I, I will take Bavarian food. Wow. What a pick. I did not see that one coming. I appreciate that. Um, this is a snake. So I get next pick. Um, this is tough. I don't want to go too basic, but I also don't want to go like completely off the wall, you know? Can I just say Chinese food? Of course. You know, like Chinese food is like, it's it's a staple here. All over the U.S., you can always get Chinese food in those little white takeout boxes and, you know, the chopsticks. You can always get fried rice or lo mein or um, sweet and sour soup, so on and so forth. And, of course, you can also get a fortune cookie, at least here in the U.S. Um, anyways, I love Chinese food. You can get it, as I was saying, pretty much anywhere. And, yeah, you can never really go wrong with a good Chinese place. Solid pick. Chinese Chinese food rarely fails, if ever. For my last pick, this is really tough. I have two I've been really deciding between, but I think I'm just going to roll with Japanese food. I love me some sushi. I think you can't really go wrong. It's very classy. tastes great. Fairly light, too, which can be a bit of a downside at times. I normally have to get some sort of a rice dish or a protein to fill me up, but yeah, Japanese food is my pick there. I cannot get enough sushi. Yeah, sushi. Have you ever had miso soup? Of course. Okay, just making sure. That's it's uh if you I like miso the soup. I don't know. I don't know, dude. I mean, I've asked that to at least two or three people before and they're like, "What the hell's miso soup?" So I just had to ask. I felt inclined. You need new friends then. I I definitely do. Um I was going to pick Greek food. Greek food's really good, oh, especially God. um Oh, Island Grill that we go to, like that, that is one of my favorite restaurants in Houston. I mean, Greek, Thai, I like Vietnamese food a lot too. Yeah, that's good stuff. There's just too many good ones, but I think- Do you want to have one more pick each before we wrap up the draft? Because we still can. I think I already named all my picks. All right, that's fair. I guess I thought I'd ask why we still can. I mean, you can't be cheating because I just gave you- I'm not cheating. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not doing anything. I don't know. There's something going on here. I think we'll just call it here because I really like my picks. Yeah, I think I won the draft. Actually, I know I won the draft. No, yeah, I won. Dude, the draft. although nah. your your second pick was wild. That second pick was completely off the wall. But once I explained it and the whole kind of backstory behind it, you're like, that's a really awesome pick. Yeah. No, nah, I mean, that'll get you a good second place. But it's a good pick. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um. <laughs> Damn, that's, that's pretty harsh. I know, um, but I've got confidence in my picks. But yeah, I think that'll wrap up our draft. If you have anything else that you want to add. No, I. Uh, it feels good to finally win a draft so far. I, I'm confident with these picks. I would not be so sure about that one. Well, you know what? For everyone who's listening at this point, I will leave a poll if you're listening on Spotify um, down below. So if you just swipe up right below the episode, you can vote and decide on who ultimately won this draft. So whenever I win the draft, we don't do this. But <laughs> once you have one good pick. It's a rigged system, Colton. What can I say? 
yeah i don't know i mean okay well you know what you know what we can do to make it fair instead of just doing it on spotify we can like put a poll on our instagram story and just ask that instead i don't know if you want that embarrassment but we can do it i don't think it would be an embarrassment i'm telling you colton i feel extremely confident in my picks that's fair i like your picks but mine are just a bit better all right. Well, that will just about do it for our draft and for this latest episode of Trouble with the Snap. Um, Colton, any final parting words before we say goodnight? I think that's about it. Thank you all for listening. If you have any life advice, please submit. But yeah, we're excited to get back to y'all in a couple of days previewing a very exciting week six. Thank you all very much. Um, like Colton was saying, please submit life advice and messages. Uh, Please submit life advice um, questions. Good Lord, that took a while to develop. <laughs> um, I apologize. Uh, please submit those if you have any or anything you want us to talk about at all. Um, but yeah, that will just about do it. Thank you very much for listening, and we will talk to you all in probably 48 hours. Thank you all.